Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway from 6th and Peabody on this Thursday edition, and we are stacked. Hope you'll join us across the Outkick Network, which includes this great radio partner, and on YouTube. You can join us. Join us in the chat. Subscribe to the YouTube channel by searching out Outkick, and we hope you'll give us a thumbs up as well while you're there. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, today's show, I love how you described it, stacked. That, that is the best way to describe our show, top to bottom. It's going to be nonstop, and it's going to be intense. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of everything. We may laugh a little bit. We may cry a little bit before the end of Probably. it. But it's going to be a surprise to everyone, no matter what. Trey Wallace joins us in 20 minutes. We'll talk uh, big headlines, uh, including NIL and their visit to Capitol Hill that's ongoing currently. That's, that's coming up this hour. As is Christiana Kiefer. She's the attorney who is defending Chelsea Mitchell. Uh, If you'll recall, Chelsea Mitchell is the former high school track phenom. She was the fastest girl in Connecticut, but lost over 20 races to transgender athletes. And they've now filed suit. They have a hearing. They had a hearing this past Tuesday. And uh, the attorney for her, Christiana Kiefer, will join us. Uh, That's later this hour, coming up in about 40 minutes from right now. Armando Salguero with the very latest on DeAndre Hopkins and his possible landing spot, plus how the NFL continues to push uh, betting awareness with the players. They've, They've rolled out another video, this time featuring the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. And Paula Scanlon joins us in the final hour, former teammate of Leah Thomas at Penn. She was on the swim team there, and she's outspoken publicly after privately feeling like she was muted and told to keep quiet as other teammates were told the same. Paula joins us in the final hour. Again, Chad, looking forward to this. Uh, I, I continue to be amazed with Rory McElroy because he is facing the strays. He's facing the shrapnel. Um, and if it's not Jay Monahan, it's Rory McElroy when it, when it comes to the the deal and the partnership between Liv and the PGA and where we're headed down the road with this new form business, for-profit business on tour. Chad, it's, to me, I, I think it's really commendable on Rory's part that he hasn't broken yet because Liv and everyone, for the most part, is looking at this in confusion. And Rory is saying... No, I still, I still hate live. This is the death of live. Now, you can argue the Saudis are running the PGA right now. The public investment fund took over, and live as we know it is not going to be in that same form. They're just in charge of determining where we're headed with this new merger. But as he continues to take the strays, he's doing it He's sitting at the, at the podium publicly taking shots at Liv. Meanwhile, Chad, you have the, uh, the anonymous 
the anonymous sources behind the scenes that are talking about Rory. Alan Shipnook with this note, he's the one that's following the, the live tour and everything that's happened over the past year, really two years, because he was following Phil Mickelson for the, for the biography. And he's on the Fire Pit Collective. And he, he quoted and sourced an anonymous live executive following the news of everything that went down earlier this week. And the exec told Shipnook, now we can finally get Hideki Matsuyama and John Rahm. I would say every big name on the PGA Tour will get an offer. Nobody wants that little bleep, starts with a B, on their team. Everyone's going to get an offer except Rory. Straight out calling him out. Now, this is interesting because the rumor that's really circulated over the last 24 or so hours is that John Rahm was very close to joining Liv. Like, within the last stages of all of this. And that put an, uh, an urgency on what we had happened this week. Because it was Rahm and Matsuyama, and this executive is pointing to saying, hey, we've got them now anyway. And whenever these teams are being formed, everyone's going to want the guys from the PGA, except Rory, because he's a, a blank. At what point does Rory crack and it becomes a huge issue? He's already been outspoken about it, and I hope he doesn't take the bait. I want him to continue to be outspoken and driven to discuss the death of the Live Tour. Because right now, he's the only one pushing that narrative when the PR narrative, if I'm the PGA, would have been just that. And Rory's the only one that's willing to speak up and say it. Meanwhile, Jay Monahan, the, the face of the PGA Tour, Chad, they're sitting there, right there with Al Rumyan, and you've got Liv speaking up on behalf of the PGA Tour, discussing where we're headed in the form of professional golf. I'm fascinated by it. And I hope Rory just continues to go down the path he is instead of taking this, the lure that's been cast yet again by an anonymous source. Speak up. If you're, <clears throat> the, the anonymity needs to stop here. Apparently, this is about unifying golf. And you still have anonymous sources from Liv talking crap about Rory McIlroy because of everything that's been said over the past 12 months. And they already have Monaghan bowing to them. Yeah, and I think, you know, Rory... Doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to crack under all this and pretty uh, principled in his stances throughout. Yeah. Um, I also think, like Jay Monahan, to a much lesser extent because he didn't make the deal, would live like Monahan did, but now's kind of the time to have a little bit of egg on the face and just eat it yeah. for a bit and then move on. It's amazing how quickly we'll move on with this type of stuff. But right now, I mean, he's a punchline. With, with a lot of the live guys that he criticized because those live guys, I asked Scott Stallings yesterday when we had him on the show, can't you just say those guys, the big winners here? And he kind of chuckled and said, I mean, they made a ton of money and now they're right back where they started as a part of the PGA tour, all under the same umbrella. Those, are the guys who went out there and took the money yep. from live and you could call them, you know, fortune tellers that they predicted the future and knew eventually this was all going to be a part of the same company or greedy, or whatever you want to call them. But the bottom line is they got paid, and now they're back 
under the PGA umbrella with Liv. So they're the big winners in all of this. I wouldn't call Rory a loser in all of it, but Rory, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He's a pawn for Jay Monahan and PGA, and he bought everything that they sold him, and he regurgitated it at every media availability, and now he's made to look foolish, much like Jay Monahan made him himself look foolish in all of this. And I think in some ways, I mean, we, we discussed uh, the, the player who was going back and forth with Rory, who spoke up and I wouldn't say defended Monahan in this meeting, but spoke up in, in a way to try to pipe down whatever was being discussed, according to reports. And I, th- I think in some ways, it, it, the, the, the reaction, the anger of all of this with the PGA pros they view Rory as the spokesperson and the mouthpiece for what Monaghan was preaching more than anyone else because he was the guy that was always being asked about it at the podium at any tournament he was participating in for four days through the tournament. And, and I hope he continues to do it even while this is going. And you know another winner? Full swing. Oh. Full swing. The documentary-style show on Netflix is, is rolling during all of this. So you know this drama will play out on uh, season two of uh, Full Swing on, on Netflix. Chad, the Minnesota... Although they were in a player's home when all this went down shooting. Oh, they were? And they got, uh, they've got they got a lot of good footage of, in real time, <laughs> someone in their home finding out the news. That's going to be a part of the documentary. You think they knew ahead of time? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've yet to hear of anyone that even has an inkling of, we saw this coming, that we knew they were talking. It was a big surprise to everyone, but we'll find out. In the, uh, I think we'll be able to tell, Hutton, if there's legitimate shock on the part yeah, of the, right. the documentarians during this when all of this goes down. Scramble. I think they're going to be surprised, too. No surprise. The Minnesota Vikings have moved on from Dalvin Cook, uh, the solid franchise running back for so many years in Minnesota. He's going to be released. They're doing that today. He'll be a free agent, and he's from Miami. He was pumped to go on the road last year and play there, the homecoming for him. And he's already posted a photo with uh, Miami and Hard Rock Stadium, I believe, in the background. That's been the long rumor. They have a jam-packed, I mean, five or six running backs that could legitimately make their roster right now. Dalvin Cook paired with Mike McDaniel, who was the running game coordinator in San Francisco for years, and, and wherever Kyle Shanahan was calling plays, would pair up with Dalvin Cook. That's the theory anyway. That the others that are being mentioned, the Bills and the Bears, for who could have not just the cap space, but the ability to bring him in and take whatever run game they're looking to form to a completely different level. He's had three or four straight seasons with 1,000 yards, which isn't, it's not hard to achieve now. When you think about the, the, the longevity of what a season is with the extra game, but it means consistency and that he's available and not banged up to pull that off. And he's still got a lot left. Armando's joining us later. I'm eager to see from the, from the Dolphins' end of this how they make it work, number one, and then what it means for that entire roster, which is already stacked offensively. Perfect day to have Armando on, certainly to ask about this, as you mentioned. Just uh, my personal wish list of where I'd like to see him play and what I'd like to see what it would do for this offense, Buffalo, of those possibilities. That's been the missing link for the Bills is a run game, and this is still a dynamic running back 
that could really add something to an already electric offense with Josh Allen. I'd love to see Dalvin Cook in Buffalo, but I think this is all heading towards Miami and him going home. It appears as though the Yankees are going to uh, get their doubleheader going here in about an hour. Um, that's a, a headline today because of the wildfire smoke and air pollution. Uh, the, the photos and videos, man, of what New York looked like, like the Ooh. hazy orange. I mean, it looked like, uh, you know, the end of the world movie or something. Yeah. Uh, based on uh, just pictures and photos. I mean, it, it, they had to cancel the Yankees White Sox game. Phillies and Tigers also canceled. Uh, an NWSL game was canceled in New York. WNBA, even indoors, they they canceled the the Liberty and Lynx uh, tip off there. I mean, I, the air pollution rating uh, for I believe was it C was it Seattle that canceled a game because of air pollution back in like 2020, and the rating for that is nearly 50 points higher right now in New York than it was then for when they canceled a Mariners game. So. I, they just want people to stay home and stay inside and not get out. And by these photos, I don't, I don't blame them. Uh, but Yankee Stadium and City Field, I mean, the haze around them. Uh, there's no way that you want fans coming out to that. And, and hopefully, it's a great sign that they're getting a doubleheader in today for the Yankees and White Sox. I think you walk outside and you see a scene like that, like you saw in New York. You probably never take a good air quality days for no. granted. But isn't that Ever crazy again. that a wildfire produces that? In Quebec? Yeah, from Canada. And, and get moved south. It's nuts. Hopefully everything gets back to normal. And you, and you said you were feeling the results or, or the effects of it here. Uh, it could also be pollen, you know, okay. but maybe not the wildfire. It's, the same color. it's a little bit of uh, everything. This is high allergy season. So I think a lot of people are feeling the effects of that. Um, didn't quite make the orange haze that you saw in New York here in Nashville in the sky, but still not good. And, and you know it's bad whenever they're canceling games indoors. Yeah, and that I, that has to be just a they're taking the precaution to so everybody stays inside. Yeah, not going to the game. Nothing to do with the indoor aspect of it. Nuggets get another victory. They ripped apart the Heat last night, one hundred nine ninety four. After being ripped apart by their head coach Mike Malone, they respond in Game Three with a resounding victory uh, to take a two one series lead. We'll touch on that and hear from Mike Malone later in today's show when we come back Trey Wallace joins us from outkick.com Capitol Hill is where college football discussion is happening right now specifically for name image likeness are we about to see a move towards federal legislation we'll start there with Trey next on Hot Mike Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and 
old smoky moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Wherever you may be watching across the Outkick Network, which includes the YouTube channel, hope you'll uh, give us a thumbs up there, like the page, like the channel, and of course, subscribe if you haven't. Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com, covers college football for uh, our site and and does a great job at that. Trey, uh, NIL is the focus today on Capitol Hill. Name, image, likeness is center stage with collectives and others stating and, and giving some thought and opinion on where we're headed with all of this. From what you've yeah. been able to gather, what what's the focus of today's visit to Capitol Hill? Because they visited in the past. Yeah, you know, they they held an they held an NIL summit uh with a lot of different colleges around a lot of different collectives around different colleges uh in college football that were in uh, Washington, Arizona was the one that put this on. The University of Arizona was the one that put this on. Um, discussions around what collectives are going to look like in the future and, and how do they, you know, if there is a way to do federally regulate what's going on right now with NIL. You know, I, I think that if anything is going to happen, and I was just I, I just got off the phone with somebody who'd been up there for the last couple of days, and 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 I feel like, and they feel like too, is that if, th- if something's going to happen, it's not going to come until late in the fall. But still, that's kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, I, I don't think Congress is not wanting at the moment to get involved with NIL because there's too many laws. The legislation would be tricky to get around. Um, you look at, you know, making players employees. Like, I don't think that would end up working. Um, I, I think that you're going, what they're going to have to do, guys, is they're going to have to make some of these rules that they stick for every school. I mean, it's different in the state of Tennessee than it is in the state of Alabama. It's different in the state of Georgia than it is in the state of Florida uh, when it comes to NIL rules. And, you know, you're starting to see teams take advantage of, of those situations. It's the same thing going on at Ohio state compared to Michigan. So you're trying to navigate through that. And what does that mean overall? I, I it means that, you know, if you want federal regulation, because the NCAA is damn well, not going to do it. They're not going to get involved in this. They can talk about, ah, oh, we want to play fair, you know, a, a, a field that's fair for everybody when it comes to NIL. But the problem is, uh, they they don't really have the power anymore. So now they're trying to go to Congress. Honestly, I think the last two days have been an educational trip, but nothing more than a photo op when you really just break it down simple with everything that's gone on. They didn't accomplish anything. I mean, they might have talked to a couple lawmakers, but it's not something they couldn't have done if they just picked up the phone and did it anyway. So, you know, going to Washington was more or less hey, we're here, and let's take pictures, and let's show that we're trying to make a difference. Yeah, I, I do think, though, this is a bit different because for the first time, it's not like you've got uh, a representative from the Mountain West. or it, it, Nick Saban went. Yes. A- a- to me, the figurehead of college football right now is either the Big Ten or SEC commissioner and Nick Saban. And the fact he's there... And, and he's lobbying on behalf of college football for federal legislation, I think that resonates more than a person that you're meeting for the first time and you've never heard their name before, which is what we've heard and seen in recent visits. And I'm not knocking anybody for that, 
But I do think this is a step towards, okay, we've, we've got to send the, the, the guys that when they speak, people listen, and Saban's at the top of that list. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And, and I, when I mean uh, a, a photo op trip, I mean there's not anything that's going to happen in the next two months out of this. Like they're not right, just all yeah. of a sudden going to come up with any type of legislation, send it to the House floor, you know, somehow makes his way to the president's office, you know, to get signed off on. This is going to be a process. This is a learning uh, trip. This is a a place where Nick Saban, uh, Coach Arnett from Mississippi State, uh, was there this week uh, also uh, up in Washington. So there were the number of big names. The new president was there, Charlie Baker. Um, so I, I look at, at what they're trying to accomplish. I give them credit for this. I just... If you're looking, you're not going to get a short-term fix when it comes to NIL. So my biggest thing is, if there's not going to be some kind of blanket rule set up for a short-term fix to this thing, take your time on it. Like, let's get to a point where you have all your ducks in a row and, and you can present something that you know is going to pass when it comes to regulating NIL. Because if not, all they're going to do, Jonathan, is sit up there and they're going to strike out every time that they go and and try to pass something. So get it all figured out together. And, and I agree with you. There's not a better person to do it. You might hate him, and hate is a strong word. You might dislike him. You might not like the team that he coaches. You might not like his press conferences. But Nick Saban is the godfather of college football. And when you go to Washington, D.C., he is noticeable. A congressman from the state of Montana will know the face of Nick Saban compared to sending some random coach to do it. So I give Saban a lot of credit for going up there and trying to get stuff done. And Chad, while we're discussing Saban, he also, just prior to doing this, reinstated Tony Mitchell after his arrest. Yeah, what, what do we make of that, Trey? It's, uh, I know we got into it on my I visit on, your, on the Trey Wallace podcast. Yeah. It, it's one that... We want to praise Nick Saban at all times, and then when things like this happen, everybody kind of just sweeps it under the rug. And, oh, well, he must know more about it than law authority and everyone else involved, and he must know what he's doing. Uh, I disagree. I think it's ridiculous that the guy's back for summer workouts based on what he was arrested doing. I think it's it, – and, and this, is, it is, this is not a cop-out, no pun intended. Um, I think it's what they actually agreed to at the end where he pleaded no contest. He gets, I think it was a hundred hours of community service and he's on probation for three years. Like if they, if they, if they didn't nailed him with a felony or, or a, a strong misdemeanor, we probably wouldn't see Tony Mitchell for, you know, the, the summer, but they didn't pleaded no contest. He gets probation and a hundred hours of community service. Like uh, I get what he was arrested for, um, in the first place, we've all seen the video. If you haven't, go check it out, outgig.com. Just type in Tony Mitchell and you can watch it. But I think at the end, you know, it, it, it's not like he got, it's not like he pleaded guilty, you know, first degree misdemeanor and then a first degree felony. Like I, look, I get it. The kid had a crap load of marijuana in his car. And he was going down the road at 145 miles per hour. I completely understand that. You suspended him for the spring practice. And then Nick Saban, which he has done. And, and here's the thing, too. It's not like this is really new. Like, if you if you plead out or you have your charges reduced or you're not technically charged with anything at all at the end or you plead no con, 
Nick Saban in the past has, has let players come back. So, I mean, I, you know, I can go back to the Cam Robinson saga, you know, that, that happened, That's you right. know, at, at Tuscaloosa where he was in the state of Louisiana. He had some weed. He had a gun. But the judge didn't want to hurt the kid's career later in life and ruin the rest of his life. So he didn't, he didn't charge him anything. So Nick Saban brought him back on the team. So it's not like this is new to me. It's a pattern of, of what we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years. So, Trey, we know now the SEC schedule model. They're going to go with eight conference games and then have one mandatory Power 5 opponent not in the SEC on the schedule. Seems like a temporary fix until Texas and Oklahoma get going in the conference. Is this just a temporary fix, or is there a chance that even when those two com- teams come to the conference trade, that they look around and think, we, we still like this. We don't want to move to nine conference games. So it, 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 this feels like a trial run, Chad, and I, I think you might agree with me on this one. This this feels like, okay, let's get to 2024. Let's set this thing up where we have a number of football teams to come in. So Texas and Oklahoma are going to join. By the way, they're going to do a big old show to release the schedule for 2024. I think it's June 17th, if I'm not mistaken. And and you look at what we're going to get out of that. Um, teams are not going to lose their secondary rivalries in that first year that the, the conference is moving to the eight-game model. So let's take, for instance, um, you know, Alabama LSU is not going to go away in that 2024 year. They'll keep Alabama-Auburn, and then they'll also get to keep Alabama-LSU as a secondary rivalry. Um, at Tennessee State, they'll get to keep – Tennessee versus Alabama. Same thing for like Auburn, Georgia. So Auburn will get to play Alabama, but by the way, they'll also get to play Georgia. So they're not going to really what I'm getting at. They might like this idea. And the biggest thing out of all of this too, is when we, when we were down in Destin, I had, you know, I had a conversation with Ross Bjorn. It was like, you know, it, 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 the money situation is what it is. Like put that off to a side. We're trying to figure out if, if going with this model is going to affect us when it comes to the college football playoff. And I get that part. Um, It hasn't hurt the SEC, in my opinion, over the last some odd years with with what we've seen with the college football playoff at four teams. I mean, there are times we've seen two SEC teams in. So has it really hurt the SEC to stay at the model that they're at? No. Here's Here's where it hurts. Fans are sick and tired of having their season tickets. They get them every year. They open up that package or they see the schedule and they're like, well, damn, what do I do with my Austin P or my, you know, UTSA tickets or, my, you know, the, 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 the UT Martin game, you know, they, they want more bang for the buck and the schools are charging more for season tickets now. So they want a better game. They don't want a couple throwaway games or they're giving it off to a buddy of theirs. So they can take their family for the first time. They want more big-time games at home. I credit Alabama uh, for, for doing this Texas series where they're hosting back and forth. Uh, I look at what LSU and Florida State are doing. I think it's stupid. I think that they should have played those games at home and home. I'd have rather seen LSU go to Tallahassee this year than go play that game in Orlando. Um, the same thing could be said for like, you know, Tennessee, Virginia. I don't want to see Tennessee, Virginia, Nissan Stadium. I want to see Tennessee go to Charlottesville and then Virginia go to Knoxville. Like I could go on and on. I think what we're going to get out of this schedule overall at the end, I think we're going to get two years, Chad, two years of the eight game model. And then I think ESPN's finally going to balk 
and they're going to give the SEC an additional five to six million dollars per team in 2026, and that's when they'll move to a nine-game schedule. I hope that happens. Personally, I want to see the nine-game schedule. I understand the business side of it uh, as well. Uh, Trey, uh, saw saw your story at OutKick uh, about uh, TCU fans rallying to support Indiana State and and what they're having to do. Indiana State baseball uh, earned the right to host a Super Regional. They're not doing that, however, based on something going on on campus, and they're going to TCU. Explain the story. I'll let you tell it and lay it out. But it is uh, it, it is a a a great story in sports that's not getting enough attention. You know what? I, I think it is, too. I think you're going to see a lot more attention starting tomorrow on this, um, and especially if Indiana State. Indiana State won the opportunity to host a Super Regional in the college baseball tournament that Chad Withrow absolutely loves. So when Indiana State got that opportunity to do that, um, there was a problem. Indiana State, for 51 consecutive years, hosts the Special Olympics of Indiana on their campus. All of the workers, you know, people that would help out with baseball or even football or whatnot, they're all there to help out with the Special Olympics. Ticket voucher people, the concessions, all of that. The problem is Indiana State had already, you know, they they had made plans. Um, they did not put in a bid to host a, a super regional um, because they didn't want to break a tradition, a 50-year tradition of hosting the Special Olympics. And 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 here's the, so what happened was TCU, since that's who they were playing, they now get to host the super regional this weekend against Indiana State and have home field advantage. But the beautiful part out of all of this is TCU fans rallied once they found out that they, they were going to host the regional, but the the reason why Indiana state couldn't is because they held a promise to the special Olympics. TCU fans have now raised over $40,000 for the special Olympics program in the state of Indiana. There's a fundraiser still going on. I have been told TCU, the athletic department, is going to make a sizable donation as well to the athletic, I mean, I'm sorry, to the uh, Special Olympics of Indiana. And in the end, what turned out to be kind of a, a crappy situation for Indiana State players, you know, you you want to be able to host a Super Regional if you've earned it. But in the end, you know, and listening to Indiana State players, they were happy to see that the Special Olympics were still going to go on on their campus They'll go play anywhere, um, but a lot of money being raised for a great cause. And and I, I big old hat tip to, to Horn Frog fans for stepping up in such a big way. More college coverage at outkick.com from Trey Wallace. And you can also check out the Trey Wallace podcast, which, I mean, some guy named Chad Withrow is this week's guest. Uh, we had a great time. Pretty good. It's a terrific podcast, <laughs> the top five all time, the Trey Wallace podcast, I would argue. That, that's my personal list. It's definitely top Thank five. You. Always have fun uh, joining you, Trey, and that's a, it's a great podcast. People should definitely check it out. And uh, next time you come on with us, we'll get into how the NCAA baseball tournament is run like it's a FIFA event. <laughs> And there's no rules to anything. Oh. They're just getting paid off to go wherever they want, and they make up the rules as they go as to who hosts what. Uh, that's on next week's edition of Trey Wallace joining this That's show. cool. Look, and I'm going to join next week. We're going to talk college we'll baseball, get all, we'll, Chad. We'll get all into it. We'll get all into the whole FIFA uh, <laughs> low-rent 
deal with college right. baseball and, and the NCAA. Thanks, Trey. Here's, Trey, what, thank I, you, here's what I hope for you, Chad. I hope that you have a great week trying to navigate around Nashville with CMA Fest goes on. <laughs> so y'all be well. Enjoy CMA yeah, Fest. We'll Thanks, be walking. guys. Thank you, Trey. Don't Trey have to worry Wallace. about Vanderbilt hosting a Super Regional, at least. No, That's thank, one bit of traffic thank we, goodness. we don't thank have goodness. to worry about. Trey Wallace underscore uh, is where you can find him on social. Coming up, Christiana Kiefer joins us. She is counsel for the fastest high school track athlete in the state of Connecticut, except the fastest girl was losing to biological males. That's next on Hot Mike. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Hutton Withrow with you for Hot Mike here on the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, we mentioned uh, last week the story of Chelsea Mitchell, the fastest girl in track across the state of Connecticut, who for all four years lost over 20 races to biological males because of policy and and honestly just no common sense across the state um, and she lost out on state championships and more as did other female competitors and Christiana Kiefer joins us she is the senior counsel for Alliance, Alliance Defending Freedom she's also representing um, Chelsea in this matter as they sue the state of Connecticut Christiana thank you for the time and, and hope things are well Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. I know there was a hearing on Tuesday after mm -hmm. there was a three-judge panel of the Second Circuit that ruled against this in December. What what came of the of the hearing on Tuesday, and where are we now in your efforts? Yeah, so if you don't mind me backing up just a little bit, we filed this lawsuit in February of 2020, and the trial judge unfortunately sat on it for about 14 months before he dismissed the girl's case entirely, didn't even give them a hearing. So we appealed that to the Second Circuit, and the Second Circuit three-judge panel, as you mentioned last fall, affirmed the denial and said, oh, the girls are graduated, there's nothing we want to do here. But the girls' athletic records matter. They have been wronged. They've been injured by this competition against male athletes. And much to our surprise, the entire Second Circuit Court of Appeals decided to rehear the case. And that happened on Tuesday. And we thought things went very well. We argued in front of a 15-judge panel. They asked hard questions of both sides, but I would have I was happy to be us and not to be the other side, which is usually how you want things to go in court. 
So we're optimistic. We we made the case that the girls have been injured. They deserve the opportunity to make their full case under Title IX, which hasn't happened yet. And we are optimistic that the court will allow the case to move forward. And Chelsea has has filed a complaint for Title IX uh, her junior year of high school, I believe, but she did this anonymously because she did not want uh, her name out there. She didn't want to affect her college recruitment. Is that right? That's exactly right. I mean, junior year of high school is a really important time in college recruitment. She was nervous. I mean, keep in mind, the four female athletes we represent in the state of Connecticut were among the very first to speak out in the entire country on this issue. So we're talking 15, 16 year old girls standing up and saying, this is scary. We don't, we don't want this to impact our future college recruitment, but this is wrong. What's happening to us, forcing us to lose to male athletes. So Chelsea did initially start out anonymously, but then as time went on, she said, I just can't stand for people to think that I'm okay with this that I'm okay with losing to male athletes myself and watching that happen to other young women as well. So she decided to go public and has just been an incredible asset with her story all, all along the way. For, for those out there like us that want to see common sense legislation with this across the country with, with every state, is your case a possible precedent setter moving forward if it goes the direction you want it to go in? Yes, I think it absolutely could be. So if the Second Circuit gives us a way forward and allows us to make our full case under Title IX, this really could be a precedent-setting case that would establish, look, we have men's and women's teams for a reason. Title IX was enacted nearly 50 years ago to ensure that Girls have equal access and equal opportunities, not just in education, but in sports. And in order for that to be possible, we have to protect the integrity of the female category. So I do think this could have major ramifications across the country if we're allowed to move forward. Christiana, what happens if you're not allowed to move forward with this? Well, it'll be deeply disappointing because this is the first federal lawsuit of its kind to be filed to protect women's sports. And really, it would be a slap in the face to female athletes who deserve to have that fair and level competition. But it's not the end of the road. It's really exciting to see more than 22 states have now passed laws to protect the integrity of women's sports. So if not this case, another one we we expect fully will reach the Supreme Court to what, be decided. What, what does Connecticut point to as why they're not one of the 22 to, to have policy that don't allow this, that would allow Chelsea to win state titles and not lose to a male? Well, they point to bad science and a bad legal advice, in essence. They point to withdrawn guidance from the U.S. Department of Education under the Obama administration that was subsequently revoked. That's, in essence, what they rely on for their really radical policy that allows males to just self-identify into the female category. To underscore that, one of the male athletes that Chelsea Mitchell competed against actually competed in the boys category for three seasons before turning around right after the indoor season, three weeks later, started to train with and compete against the female athletes. That's allowed under Connecticut's radical gender identity policy. Well, you mentioned bad science also. What bad science are they citing? 
Well, they seem to think that simply identifying as a male makes you, identifying as a female makes you a female. And that simply is anti-science. No amount of self-identification is going to turn a male body into a female one. And in fact, there's plenty of science that indicates that males have an average of a 10 to 50% performance advantage over female athletes. That means that if they're lining up at the starting blocks, the male athlete generally is almost always going to win. And in fact, if we don't have separate male and female categories and separate teams, then I think we could really see a future where women were no longer on the podium, no longer earning those championship titles and those potential scholarship opportunities. And this all happened for her, uh, and I'm sure others, at the state level. So she's the fastest girl in high school. Uh, she set school records her freshman year. Uh, how... How dominant were these races for the transgender athletes at the state level compared to the fastest girl in the state? Well, over the course of three years in the state of Connecticut, these two male athletes completely reshaped girls' high school track. Together, they won 15 women's state championship titles, titles that the prior years had been held by nine different girls. These males completely dominated. They also set 17 new individual meet records. Records that some of my clients say they don't have any expectation of ever being able to break. And we calculated that more than 85 times they denied girls the opportunity to advance from a lower level of competition to the next level, which really can impact a girl's opportunities for recruitment, for uh, college scouting opportunities and the like. So, again, they really reshaped Connecticut's high school track by just two male athletes being in the female category. And, and there are uh, three other women that have joined Chelsea with this. Are you, are you representing all four? And uh, could there be others that could, could join in this moving forward? Yes, Alliance Defending Freedom has the privilege of representing all four female athletes in the state of Connecticut who just chose to stand up and file a federal lawsuit. But we also represent female athletes across the country in other litigation as well. Athletes in the state of West Virginia and Idaho, Florida, and the list goes on because What's happening in Connecticut is not an isolated incident. We're seeing increasing instances across the country in all types of sports, in all levels of sports, where males are deciding to identify as female and compete in the female category. You mentioned blowback, you know, from colleges, uh, the fear of doing this junior year and then something happening with college recruitment. We've had Riley Gaines on this show. She's gotten blowback for her stance on this. Specifically with Chelsea, has she seen some negative attention from colleges throughout this? Has there been some issues with that? I don't know about colleges. She certainly has received blowback on social media from individuals who disagree with her position, but she would tell you that she's received overwhelming support from the people in her community, from other female athletes, from coaches, um, from school administrators who will quietly support her. So I think it's important to recognize that the vast majority of the American public statistics show recognize that this is fundamentally unfair to force female athletes to lose to males in their sport. It's just time to start seeing more and more people stand up and speak out about it. And, and just to uh, just to clarify, she's a is she a senior now in college? Is that right? She's going into her senior year. Yes. Are you able to point in Connecticut right now and at the high school level of transgender athletes winning state titles right now? 
So what I can tell you is there are reports of several male athletes currently competing in the state of Connecticut under this gender identity policy. I haven't personally been able to verify that information, but yes, and it makes sense, right? If you can simply self-identify into the female category and begin to go from a mid-level or mediocre male athlete to a champion, why not? And I only ask that because if they're, if the previous panel, if they're going to point to the fact that, well, she's already graduated and, you know, whatever, it, that would be important if you can say it's still ongoing and you can point to specific instances of this. There's absolutely ongoing harm in the state of Connecticut. Recently, within just the last few weeks, we saw a couple of male athletes qualify for a state championship in the girls track category in California. Certainly, uh, many Americans are familiar with Leah Thomas and dominating uh, NCAA swimming. So the list really goes on and on of the female athletes who are being negatively impacted by these gender identity policies, and they need to be fixed. We don't really get a lot of argument on the other side of this when we bring up this issue. I think most people, like you said, in America are on the side of common sense and fairness mm -hmm. when it comes to this. But one argument on the other side will always be, well, it's not happening that much. Why are you making a big deal out of it? It barely happens. We're talking about two two biological males in the state of Connecticut, it's not really that big of a deal. What would you tell someone who says that? Well, it certainly is a big deal to the young woman who's pushed off the, the podium, who is bumped down in the rankings by even one male athlete. One girl who is displaced from her own sport that has been rightfully set aside for her is one too many. And unfortunately, this is not an isolated incident. Again, we're seeing this in increasing numbers across the country at multiple levels of sport and different uh, levels of schooling as well. So it is becoming a more and more urgent national issue, and it does need a national solution. Christiana Kiefer has been our guest. Just finally, quickly, when do we hope to hear something based on Tuesday's hearing? Well, we could be looking at weeks or months before the court decision comes down. But the good news is even the ACLU agreed with the vast majority of our arguments that the case should move forward. And so we are ultimately optimistic that we will win and be able to make our full case under Title IX. Hey, uh, thank you for, for the visit today. I'm sure we'll be uh, revisiting down the road when we, when we hear the results of, of Tuesday's hearing. And uh, we're certainly on the side of the Alliance Defending Freedom here. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate Christiana it. Christiana Kiefer, uh, representing uh, Chelsea Mitchell and others uh, involved in the lawsuit against the state of Connecticut, one it's, to follow. It's definitely a case to follow because of what it could mean for other states. Paula Scanlon, uh, she will join us later in today's show, former teammate of Leah Thomas, just tying this in, who's now speaking out based on, you know, told to pipe down whenever they disagreed with the Penn swim team, uh, having to promote and allow Leah Thomas uh, to, to compete as a biological male. Coming up, headlines that include the Pac-12, confusion about the grant of rights deal that could continue, and there's also discussion about an alliance with the ACC. And guess what the Big Ten's been doing? Vetting possible additions to the conference. All that and more straight ahead on Hot Mike.